Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship to all who would stand for the reformation of Christ's church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. We are a ministry of union. Friends, welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. My name is Justin Shell, your host, and I want to remind you today before we get started that you are a people for God's own possession. You're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have a good God who has called us to himself, and I pray that as you grow to know him, you will only increase in joy and affection for the Lord, and that that joy would flow out of you into the church and into the world. We are on our third and unfortunately final conversation with Dr. Natalie Brand today. She is the tutor for women at Union School of Theology in the UK. And today we are talking about help for the lukewarm Christian. So if that's you, or if you're trying to minister to the lukewarm or apathetic believer, uh, we know that we all at times find ourselves in moments of spiritual depression or despondency or apathy or just lukewarm, dry. And I'm excited that we get to talk with Dr. Brand about this topic today. So if you missed the previous episodes, go back and listen to those. Otherwise, let's dig in. Natalie, thank you again for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So for our listeners, if you've missed the the last two conversations with Natalie, really encourage you to go back and listen to those on union with Christ and on the the question, should women study theology was our, our conversation last episode. Definitely, definitely encourage you to go back and listen to those. But today we are going to be talking about a part of the Christian life, a, 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 a reality in many of our lives way too often probably, um, but that reality is what, what does it mean when I as a Christian am lukewarm or apathetic in my faith? So I think it's a topic that's going to um, be important for every believer at some point. And so Natalie, I'm really, I'm really excited to hear, um, hear your thoughts on this. Maybe we could start here what led you to begin exploring the topic of, of, of apathy for the Christian? Yeah, thanks, Justin. Um, so about six or seven years ago, I went through a time of real apathy, um, spiritual dryness. Um, I would say backsliding in the sense that the sin was that there was no desire. Um, there was certainly apathy, um, for my apathy, <laughs> like, um, yeah, so it was, there was a lot of things that contributed to that. So we had um, just had a newborn baby. Um, we were kind of grieving for a miscarriage before we had had that baby. Uh, there was a breakup of a marriage uh, for a close family member. We were burnt out in ministry. Mm. Um, there were lots of kind of things that just piled up and, um, and it was kind of like, you know, the last straw and then it all just came tumbling down. Um, yeah. And so I just 
went through this time and it was about six months or so um, and I found myself frustrated because I I knew that I needed to read the word but I didn't want to read the word like it was almost like I didn't even have a muscle to pick my bible up Mm. Um, and I couldn't pray I mean I was tongue-tied spiritually um, and reading when I did read the word it just sounded like gobbledygook like I just couldn't make sense of it Um, and so kind of I I really wanted to write something that would be kind of the ambassador that I needed in that time so I remember saying to one of my friends who is in ministry like I really need someone just to sit down with me and tell me the gospel like just pure and simple um like I wasn't a believer I just needed to like the cross had kind of become murky and I needed someone to clear that for me mm. um and lead me to the cross um in that way and so really that was the whole point of the book so it's just really the the book is called prone to wonder mm-hmm. grace and apathy uh, for the lukewarm um, grace and <laughs> grace for the lukewarm and apathetic excuse me um and uh yeah and it's just supposed to be something small and light that you can pick up that will lead you to scripture mm. and 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 have and kindle hopefully the desire then to get back into the word and get back into prayer um yeah 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 that's great um before we i want to talk a little bit more about the book but before then would when we use these words, apathy, lukewarm, you mentioned, and I, I hear this uh, dry spiritual, uh, dry, um, dry spiritually. Um, I might throw in what um, what's been called spiritual depression or despondency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are those kind of all shades of of the same situation in the the life of a believer? Are those Help us yeah. just kind of understand, uh, I guess, those terms and, and how they may relate to each other, how they may be different. Yeah, I'm so glad you've asked that question because that was a big problem when I started writing the book. I suddenly realised that there was all these different terms, like people say they're drifting or they feel flat, and like you said, depression, spiritual depression, and coldness or lukewarm, apathy, lethargy. There's so many different terms. Mm. Um, and, and I kind of felt like, well, I guess at the, at the end of the day, they're all symptomatic of the same thing. You might use different metaphors like wandering away or drifting away or whatever. And I tried to use different metaphors in the book so that whatever pers- somebody's language may be, that it would kind of facilitate how they kind of perceive their, mm. their spiritual struggle. Um, so, yeah, there are certainly different languages and and, and, and different metaphors and stuff but I think it's all the same isn't it it's that your your love for Christ your love for the Lord is 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 cooling um and because of of sin um and so Robert Robinson says um prone to wonder Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love so that's it isn't it that we're walking away from the God that we love Mm. whether it's physically or emotionally or just in our disciplines whatever it may be mentally whatever it is Mm. Um, and it gets to the point where you start choosing sin in a way that you wouldn't have before and that's the dangerous place Um, so for me that looked like on a Sunday evening instead of tuning into the online service that I would normally do because we have three very small children that I would go on eBay and just kill time on eBay and I tell myself I need a break from all that and that was, I mean, it sounds like I wasn't really backsliding, but the whole point was that I was cold. 
yeah. um, like the church in Laodicea. Mm. Um, I was I was so cold. It was like, um, like you know, I felt like there was nothing in me that wanted the Lord anymore, and that's mm. that's the that's the problem, isn't it? I guess. I kind of imagine the the book being a uh, a paper form of Galatians six one um, brothers. If anyone is caught in any transgression, mm. you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Mm. Watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. But that that gentle restoration that we need when we are are drifting and and whether that's uh, sin of commission or sin of omission, hmm. uh, whether we think we've transgressed or we've just grown cold, our, our hearts become hardened. Hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, that's great. So, talk talk to me a little bit about how do how do you study <laughs> yeah. empathy? Write a book about it. How, yeah, how yeah. did that? And then what what did you find? I asked lots of friends like what their thoughts were um, and I always found that it was all trigger based so but these triggers like whether it be pain suffering abuse illness bereavement depression being hurt from the church mm. um, falling in love with the world like wanting comfort mm. these triggers um, were the one were the, but the, but they were, those those triggers didn't make us sin. We chose to sin. We choose to, to turn our backs on the Lord. So those, even though I, for me, it was comfort. Like I was, had all these things that were difficult and I just started thinking about um, like, oh, it'd be so nice to like own our own house and not live in this mansion. It'd be so nice to have this and that and that. And so I fell like Demas, I fell in love with the world and I was thinking very materially and mm. lost my kind of eternal perspective and my spiritual lens. Um, but those triggers, whether it be a newborn baby or a bereavement, right, those don't make us sin. We choose to sin. Mm -hmm. and we choose then to find our comfort elsewhere instead of in the Lord. And that's the crunch. It's mm -hmm. where are you finding your comfort? Do you throw yourself onto the rock that is Christ? Or do you throw yourself onto the bargains that might be on eBay, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. And it sounds ridiculous and trivial, but it's that crunch point moment, isn't it? Do we decide to go for the thing that is worthy, the, the glorious Lord and his beauty, or do we go for something that is the mean toys of this world? Mm. Yeah. And I found that those patterns were consistent by talking to different people about it. It was, it was that it was, it was um, the desire to, to not pick the Lord, to go elsewhere and to drift away. And mm. I guess that is biblical, isn't it? Like we read that in scripture when Paul writes the end of Timothy of, uh, about Demas and he says do your best to come to me soon for Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and mm -hmm. gone to Thessalonica mm. um and that is the chief point we mm. we um we fall in love with with things of the world and, and we don't pick the best yeah. thing and that's really interesting because I feel like in my own life that's if I'm being honest with myself, <laughs> I shouldn't, <laughs> I should introduce it that way. If I'm being honest with myself, um, that's my experience. But I, I hear people saying things like, well, the Lord's just led me into kind of this dry season or this wilderness area. 
and not communicating the Lord's allowing me to go through a, a trial or a circumstance that's challenging, but, but literally a season where I'm um, mm-hmm. drifting from him almost mm-hmm. as if it's the, the Lord's doing. And I always found that um, not quite biblical. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and so when I looked at my own life and I thought, oh, I'm, this is a dry season. Maybe the Lord's doing something. I'm here in the wilderness, you know, <laughs> these, uh, mm-hmm. these metaphors we use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've always found in truth when I'm honest that, no, I'm here. I brought myself out here. I left, you know, um, left him. I moved away from him. I've, I, I've drifted. Um, and the way back is to acknowledge that and to uh, believe again the gospel, to confess my love of the world or uh, these, uh, these idols that um, had, had started to set up shop in my heart. And so I'm, I'm really, it's intriguing to me that that's kind of what you found in the, in, in your interviews. Mm. Um, do, do you hear people kind of talk about their, these dry times as a wilderness experience that the Lord leads them into, that it's kind of God doing that as well? And do you have I any thoughts on that? Yeah, I didn't hear people say that to me, but I imagine that that, I mean, certainly I've heard that elsewhere in the church and general struggles and um yeah I would say that like you say it sounds like a bit of an error um it probably comes from um medieval mysticism where you know St John of the Cross and others talking about the dark night of the soul and so we probably have that's been fed down throughout the generations and we feel that the Lord leads us into this place mm. of desperation and despair now, that might be true if you think about Christ who walks into the wilderness, he's led there by God. But what does he do? He fights back straight away with scripture. When, the, when Satan tempts him in the wilderness, he fights with the word. And he doesn't have any, he doesn't sit on the fence, does he? He doesn't, um, he, he just fights straight away. Like he brings out this arsenal of scripture and, and there's, 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 you know, Satan is defeated at every turn. And I, I would think also of Job. Um, Job has lost everything. Um, he's lost all his family, his wealth, his every comfort has been removed from him, even the comfort of his wife, as she tells him to curse God and die. So he's got nothing. His health is taken, and yet he still fights for worship. So in his wilderness, he was doing the same. He was fighting for worship. So even if the Lord does take us into a place of you know, bereavement and despair and depression. The point is that we should fight for worship. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas somebody like Demas and, and so many of those um, kind of celebrity pastors recently that we've seen um, become ex-evangelicals, you know, they're not fighting for worship. They let mm-hmm. those things, they, they, they don't say they're going to worship God no matter what. They just, you know, they allow those things to take over and they, mm-hmm. they fall in love with the word world and its ideology. And yeah. So I would say, I would say that, that he wants us, God wants us to conquer in these moments, just like Job, just like the Lord did. Before we get back to our conversation, we want to let you know how you can become a member of the Reformation Fellowship. You've heard our heart here. 
in interviews, you, you hear it every time a new episode opens up. You hear we, we're here to gather like-minded, like-hearted gospel ministers to uh, know one another, to encourage one another, and to partner together for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. That's what we're about. And if that's your heart, you can go to reffellowship.org and register a free membership. That gets you access to some some discounts, some free goodies, access to, we're gonna do some live, live conversations through Zoom with church leaders, with leading theologians and scholars as well. So go there to, to find out all about the benefits of membership. But I do wanna draw your attention to one more benefit. March 22nd, 2022, in Naperville, Illinois, we're gonna host a Reformation Fellowship gathering. It is a gathering for members of the fellowship and special invitees only. So we hope you'll join the fellowship and we also hope you will consider joining us for what we're calling the Welcome to the Fellowship Gathering. This is a gathering of pastors, planters, theologians, and leaders seeking to know and encourage each other, as well as to consider an invitation to greater gospel unity and partnership. The schedule will include plenary addresses by leaders such as Michael Reeves, Dane Ortland, and Dustin Binge, as well as specific times for intentional networking and fellowship. It's a one-day gathering hosted by Naperville Presbyterian Church there in Naperville, Illinois. Again, go to reffellowship.org to join the Reformation Fellowship and to find details about the Welcome to the Fellowship gathering. That's March 22nd, 2022. We hope you'll put it on your calendar and we hope to see you there. As you spoke with folks about their experience that often something triggered that it could be suffering, could be uh, circumstances around them. Uh, are there other things, and, and you can take this any direction you want, but other, other findings maybe that you... Um, that, that you think would be helpful for us to know about? I think for the pastor, particularly for the church worker, being, I think the hardest thing as a ministry wife is watching the church hurt my husband, the mm. church that he is serving day in and day out mm -hmm. and sacrificing so much for, and then watching the church hurt him back. I think so many ministry couples struggle spiritually because they have this attrition of that mm -hmm. they, they, they they've seen the church hurt them too many times yeah. and it starts to have this attritional effect and mm -hmm. they and um and so they're they're worn out they're burnt out and and you know seeing young you know 20s 30s couples coming out of ministries like only a few years in because mm -hmm. they they can't cope with it mm -hmm. um so I, I would say it's a problem um, in, in ministry and in, certainly and, and for the individual pastor and, and we've seen some great resources come out recently just talking pragmatically and honestly about depression for those who are in the pastor mm. um, but I mean with depression and spiritual depression the thing is the same um, obviously depression clinically clinical depression is not a sin so there is a distinction there but the point is that there's self-care is needed and healing is needed and and there needs to be pastoring of the pastor. And mm. I think that's the problem that so many pastors are not being pastored. They're the ones doing the pastoring. Um, so I think the most important thing really is, is 
if you're a pastor or an elder or church planter or a lay leader or any kind of person in ministry, um, you just need to be honest. I think people don't want to be honest because they're in a place of leadership and they feel that the church, you know, they'll just be, everything will backfire. And, mm. But actually, if they're honest, they're not feeding it anymore and it can be dealt with. Um, yeah. So I think honesty is, is super important. Yeah. yeah. N- Natalie, I often think of this issue as probably just an outworking of modern Western uh, you know, worldview that um, we are, because of technology, we're, we're, we're more easily distracted. We, um, we have things that are, that are making lukewarmness and apathy um, easier or, or, or more possible. But that's not really the case, is that this isn't a new problem and it's not just a Western problem, is it? No, I mean, absolutely. Like you said, it's, it's not Western and it's not modern. Um, like we read with, with Demas, he, just, he deserts Paul, he deserts his ministry colleagues and goes to the big city. <laughs> you can kind of imagine in a contemporary point of view, he's, he's ministering in the rules of, UK, of the US and he's like, I had enough, I'm going to New York. And he just goes mm. off and does his own thing or California and just lives um, the life that he wants to live. Um, and so, you know, certainly um, it, it's not a contemporary struggle because we're sinners, we're sinners all, you know. Um, and we know that we are sheep gone astray and that we grow cold in our love because we're so fickle. Um, but this is a point where theology can hold us and inform our spirituality like we talked about in a previous episode. So if we know that we're in union with Christ, no matter how we feel, that leads us and and keeps us. We Mm. know that Christ will hold us fast, no matter how, if we feel we can't pray, if we're pouring out prayers at night saying, Lord, speak. You're so silent. You're so distant. We know in in our minds, in our hearts, in our rationale that we are in union with Jesus. Mm. then we're not going to let these things drift us away. We're not going to let this tide of lukewarmness just drift us away from the shore, drift us away from Christ. Theology grounds us and anchors mm. us in yeah. a really helpful way. Yeah. Well, and you, that's modeled so, so well in the Psalms, isn't it? The, the first 10 verses may be, how long, oh Lord? My, mm. I, I'm, I'm drowning in my tears here. Mm. When will you rescue me? I'm surrounded mm. Um, and then we get something like a nevertheless, <laughs> mm-hmm. nevertheless, you hold me fast. Nevertheless, despite those circumstances that could trigger me to turn away, um, you are faithful. My soul will praise the Lord. Um, such a great model um, that that David and, and other psalmists um, give us there. Yeah. Is, is there help from church history as well on this? Are there any, any thinkers, writers that come to mind that have helped you think uh, faithfully about these kinds of struggles? Yeah, I mean, Martin Lloyd-Jones' spiritual depression, I know it's, it's probably something in church history, but that certainly is a helpful one. I think John Owen's um, mortification of sin is really helpful because he's just talking about that constant need for us to kill sin, otherwise it kills us. And I think we get so used to 
you know, when you've been a Christian for decades, you you let that kind of fizzle out. You let that drown out a bit, you know. And But if we're constantly thinking about killing sin, we're aware of our trigger points. We're aware of where our affections are. We're aware of if we've fallen in love with the world. So I, I, I think Owen's mortification of sin is, is really, really helpful. Um, I think probably the thing that has done it for me more than ever is um, reading through um, scripture and looking at all the characters that fail. So other than Christ in the wilderness, everybody else fails. Um, so when I put when I set out to to write this book, I was like, well, I'm not sure on biblical profiles, am I? <laughs> because everybody does it. Um, everybody rebels at some point, um, other than the Lord who holds fast. And I'd say if you were um, if you were somebody who was struggling with it and you wanted a resource to get into, then go through Kings 1 and 2 Kings and see just how rebellion and sin and pride just wreaks havoc. Mm. And and I think scripture there, it, you know, it, it sharp end goes straight into our hearts and in our minds and we start hating sin and we long for holiness and the faithfulness of somebody like David. So... Yeah, I think I wouldn't necessarily point to church history as much as the church history we find in, mm. in just the, the continual rebellion of, of, of Israel, mm. and yet God's covenant has a steadfast love. Well, you mentioned a moment ago that one of the best things for those in ministry, pastors, elders, church planters, uh, lay leaders, uh, is if they are struggling, that they would be honest about it. If if I if I'm in that if I'm if I am in that um, situation, I find myself in a season of lukewarm faith. Um, I need to be honest about it. What else should I be thinking of doing or or not doing? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing I found super helpful um, was reading Romans six, and the Holy Spirit is the one who has been given the spirit of adoption, and He is. Um, he groans, holy groans on our behalf. And so for the pastor who is lukewarm and cold and feels he cannot pray, then I, I would say there's there's a point where just like it's almost like just just groan if that's how you it's better to groan to God than not to pray because you feel you can't pray. And 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 you know I've heard of people who who just that they just have nothing to say to the Lord they're, they're so broken and there's nothing left they're so dry and I kind of think at that point let the Holy Spirit intercede for you on that mm-hmm. on, on the path and you have your savior is there in the throne room interceding on your behalf right. so don't don't think I can't pray and so I'm not gonna think about the fact that at least two members of the Trinity are interceding over you in mm-hmm. Romans 6 he's the Holy Spirit um, prays for us and sees with holy groans deep groaning so groan and allow him to intercede for you and the whole and then christ is on the throne room of grace and he is interceding he is our mediator um mm. and so i think we always need to remind ourselves that the lord is with us like he is not against us and i think mm. when we are lukewarm and when we're cold and we're we're struggling with with backsliding hearts or sin we need to remember that we belong to the lord and he is on our side and he's interceding for us. And mm. he is, and the word is so full of, um, you know, read your, don't rent your garments, rent, read your hearts. Yeah. Um, return to the Lord. He is compassionate and steadfast. Um, 
and, and it's finding those verses and, and returning to the Lord, um, even if you're a pastor. <laughs> so don't feel you failed. Don't let it be performance-based. And I think for the pastor particularly, there were times when um, my husband would go through times of, of kind of dryness. And I would say to him, I think you need to just go, don't go in your study because that's your pastor's space. Go somewhere else, like go in the garden or whatever, and just approach the Lord as sinner, saved by grace. Don't approach the Lord as pastor. Don't think about your programs and your flock. Just think about your your need for the Lord. And my husband was really good because he would say whenever he struggled spiritually, he would just read the crucifixion over and over again. And it would mm. just keep the main thing, the main thing. Um, and so I was taught, you know, he taught me to do that too. When things mm. are difficult, just survey the wondrous cross. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would think that's probably the most important thing you can do. Yeah. Well, let's say um, in that case that I, I am a pastor and, um, and maybe it's not me in this moment, <laughs> um, but I look out at my people um, and they're struggling with apathy. What, uh, sorry, apathy. What sort of things do I need to be thinking about, praying about, and, and maybe even doing? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know. I've never passed with a church, but I think my um, my thoughts would be threefold. Um, that that we need that church leaders perhaps need to fast more for their for their flock um i don't think that's something mm-hmm. we talk about very much fasting yeah. um committing time aside i know a pastor who would do that regularly for his flock even though his flock were tiny he would spend time just set aside a day and just fast and pray for his flock mm. um and it wasn't that he had time <laughs> to do that he made time right. for that um i think also um we just need to hear grace more, you know. Um, and it, scripture is so full of grace. Like it's, um, Ezekiel 34, I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed. Um, if I see, if I see, if I saw people struggling, I would preach that, you know, preach the fact that the good shepherd brings back all, all of his sheep. He goes out and finds the lost sheep and he brings back all of them and he celebrates because he's found mm-hmm. that sheep. Um, focus on the grace of, of our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Focus on the fact that the Lord was a husband to rebellious, um, unfaithful Israel. Um, so preach grace. Um, and also I think the other thing, just thinking, um, is is that the pastors, I think, need to, um, or all of us when we, when we speak, need to go for the jugular more in our application. Um, mm. when we apply our sermon, when we apply gospel truth, we can be so very vague. And actually, you know, if you go for the jugular, then it helps people connect the dots. And people on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or midweek need you to connect the dots. You know, so this means, people, this week, when you're flat out, don't put on Netflix, turn to the word, or be, go for the jugular. Like, don't speak and, and unpack your application what does that actually look like don't just tell us to do our bible to do our quiet times and read and pray the bible and, and to read and to pray more but 
go for the jugular about your application. And I really find, I find it's really healthy to hear a preacher who is just talking really keenly about lust and porn and going for the jugular on his application is just really refreshing. Mm. So I think that might be something that people need to do. Well, turning away from the pastor for a moment, let's say I'm a Christian, but I've been in a season of struggle with the same sin for a long time, maybe maybe even since I became a believer. And I know we've hit on some of this, but what encouragement is there for someone in a, in just a, a season of well, uh, longing for victory, but not having victory over, particularly over mm-hmm. sin? Yeah, I, the encouragement is the truth of justification by faith. Um, and we can just learn 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21, till it's just in our being and in every cell. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. Um, and so even though we're struggling with that sin, I think for our sake, for my sake, yeah. the Lord made Christ to be sin so that I may become the righteousness of God and so therefore I am the righteousness of God even though I'm struggling with this sin and so I think if we if we really delve deep into justification we feel we have this liberating completely life turning upside down truth um, and it gives us comfort. And I know Piper's talked about gutsy guilt and all the things that we can do when we feel that freedom and justification. We can repent in a robust way. We can get on our knees and we can look at our sin in the face and not be afraid of it because we know that we have been justified by, by the Lord. Um, so I think staring justification in the face so you can stare your sin in the face um, and, and preaching that to yourself constantly. But for my own walk, something I've really struggled with is kind of anger. Like I'm, I'm one of those moms that isn't able to keep her calm with her small children all the time. That is something I've had to really, really wrestle with for many, many years. And one thing, two things that really, really helped is finding a believer who will just pray for me every day. So there's a believer and I don't even know her very well. And she prays for me in that every single day. She's an elderly woman who isn't going anywhere. And she prays for me every day. And I can feel, I can see her prayers have impacted the four mm-hmm. walls of our house because mm-hmm. my anger is under control now because she's interceding for me in that way. And also really using scripture um, as a weapon, as mm-hmm. an arsenal. So Proverbs um, 25, 28, um, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So when you are struggling with sin, and it's a constant sin, and you just cannot shift from it. Use scripture as an arsenal. Take, get one motto verse and just use it over and over again. Get someone to pray for you um, over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, and there is grace. And, and with those things, in, I really see the Holy Spirit doing a, a work of sanctification and, and liberation even mm-hmm. in those things. So from my own experience, uh, and I'm certainly not I'm an authority on this, but I would say those are two really good things you can do. Yeah, that's really helpful. Well, as we come to the end of this episode, Natalie, I wonder if um, if there are any resources you could recommend for us. I know um, we, we want to encourage folks to, uh, to check out Prone to Wander, Natalie's book on this. Um, 
any, any other resources or, or recommendations? Yeah, um, I really liked um, David Murray's book, Reset. Um, mm. And uh, him and his wife have written another one um, that's kind of um, perhaps more for women, I think. Um, so, yeah, definitely that one, David Murray's book, Reset, is really good. Mm. Um, there is actually another book called Prone to Wonder that was written by a lady called um, Barbara... Um, I don't know even how you pronounce her surname, but she she uses prayers like it's it's if you look on Amazon it's there and she she is kind of liturgy and, and prayer for for those who perhaps need a voice and need some some words. Um, so yeah, there are there are there are many great things out there. Definitely Lloyd Jones' spiritual depression is helpful. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for those recommendations. And Natalie, thank you even more for spending three episodes with us here at the Reformation Fellowship. They've been so encouraging to me, and uh, I know they will be encouraging to our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're so glad you've joined us here on the Reformation Fellowship podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, in all those places, do not hesitate to reach out. Let us know how we can serve you, pray for you, serve your churches in any way possible. God bless.